We are thankful that you are here today, and uh, we're getting ready to kick off the first half. Um, I am so glad that none of you, as I can tell, overslept. <laughs> and, and those of you at Men's Breakfast, which there was a great turnout, I'm really thankful not only did you do the daylight savings, but then remembered the other hour. So for you, it might have been an effective two-hour difference to get here to church on time today. And I really enjoyed that word from Brother Kennedy today and thankful for what the men put together. And um, Keep your, your ear to the ground. You can come see me or see Brother Kennedy or Bishop, um, and we can point you towards the next men's breakfasts. And then in June, we have the Man of War Conference, so we'd like to talk to you about that. So, men, if you weren't there, please come see us. Um, but I want to get into the Word of the Lord today, and I want to turn over to the book of John. The book of John. We're getting ready to hit into Easter here. I think I want to start out in John, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. We'll read John chapter 13, verse 16. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Lord Jesus, speak to us today. This is your people. This is your church. God, transform our hearts and life. Jesus, have your liberty and your way. Let your, oh God, let your living word preach the written word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. So we're getting ready to head into, head into Easter here. Not head into Easter. Head into Easter. And Reading here through the book of John, it really wasn't intentional to talk about from these passages, but John chapter 13, John chapter 13, I believe through, um, it's the next five chapters, Jesus is talking to the disciples at what we call the Last Supper. I find that fascinating when you look at the book of John and you get to chapter 13, and from 13, to, for, then for the next five chapters, all you get is his time at the Last Supper. And then I'm looking here, and we have um, 21 chapters in the book of John, and five of those is spent with Jesus talking to them at that meal. And then he launches into prayer. But Jesus here had said to them, The servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Jesus... Um, was wrapping up the meal and he had gotten out the towel and he had gotten out the basin and, and he began to wash their feet. And we talk about this with servant-style leadership in this passage. I preach from here. Bishops preach from here. Many of you have heard this passage many different times. Um, and Jesus got down and then we know in those days people wore sandals and they traveled everywhere. Or if they could get a ride someplace, that'd be great. But it wasn't in a car, that's for sure. It was on the back of a beast. And... Um, and so when they would arrive someplace, you would bring them water and you would wash their feet. And if you had a certain stature, you were a little bit greater class or you had authority and, and people looked up to you and they wanted to honor you, a servant would wash your feet. And if you were really something special, the master of the house would wash your feet. But if you were just me, you would show up and you would wash your own feet. That's why the lady that came and washed Jesus' feet when he showed up at the house 
They didn't offer him water. They didn't send a servant to wash his feet. And the master didn't get down to wash his feet. And that lady said, hold on a second here. And she was overcome and she said, look what God has done. And she began to take her hair and to wash his feet. She was saying, I honor you. I adore you and I'm going to put you in your rightful place. But the creator of the universe, robed in flesh, manifest in the flesh, made known to us physically, got down with those that he had called average fishermen, tax collectors, even a betrayer, got down and, and said, hey, let me wash your feet. Let me wash your feet. And he began to wash the disciples' feet. And he told them then, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither is he that is sent greater than he that sent him. Now I look at that passage, and rightfully so, that Jesus is teaching us that we need to serve one another. So when Jesus says, neither is the servant greater than his Lord, I, I see that as he is calling us to serve one another. And if we are going to lead people, we need to not see ourselves as above them, but say, what can I do for your life? I'm willing to humble myself and submit myself down before you. I'm willing to, to make myself be low so you can be, see your value, so you can be lifted up. And what you begin to show and to demonstrate is love. But following these words right here, Jesus goes on, verse 17, he says, For if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but that the Scripture may be fulfilled. He that eateth bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. He was speaking of Judas. He was, he was speaking of the fact that he was getting ready to be betrayed. And yet Jesus washed feet. And then Jesus said, neither is the servant greater than his Lord. Jesus repeats these words in just a couple chapters at the same, at the same meal here. Verse 20 of chapter 15. He says, remember the word that I said unto you. The servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept... If they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Jesus was repeating in the same meal, in the same conversation, the same time period. He was saying, hey, not only have I called you to serve, but I've also called you to go through what I go through. Meaning, how they treat you, how they treat me, they're probably going to treat you similarly. That means if I get persecuted... Don't be surprised if you get persecuted. If I go through struggle, don't be surprised if you go through struggle. Oh, I don't want to disappoint anyone today and make you think that God's not with you. He is with you. But you need to understand that He's also with you in struggle. He's with you when someone comes against you. When people speak against you. So don't be surprised if you struggle 
when you're living for God, if, if something comes against you and attacks you, and not just something, but someone. You know, we have devils that attack, but sometimes those devils seem an awful lot like a person. You know, it, it, in fact, I don't, the devil talk, or the Bible talks about devils, but you see a whole lot more vindictiveness and evil and wickedness out of people. Why? Because you can just say, get thee behind me, Satan. But you got to get a hold of your flesh. And you got to get it to the side. And you got to put it under subjection. And Paul said, I die daily. You got to get a hold of yourself. It's this personal war. And, and it's out of the same tongue speaks, you know, sweet things and terrible things and bitter things. And, and, and I can lift you up and I can tear you down. It's the human side that we really seem to fight with. And that devils, the devils will get in there and they'll start whispering in ears and they'll start stirring up chaos and struggle. But you don't have to listen to that. You don't have to give place to that. All you have to do is submit yourself to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. Yes, this church doesn't have to say, man, we could be something great in God. We, we, we could go someplace, we could reach souls, but the devil's attacking us. No. You just say, get behind me, Satan. When you're in your home and you're like, but my children and the devil seems to be attacking, you know what you need to do? You need to check out what you're watching, what you're listening to, where you're going, what, what kind of words are coming out of your mouth, and find a place with God. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he's going to flee. Oh, and you have authority in your home. So don't think that you, mom and dad have to deal with the devil attacking your children in your home. Oh, you just get over there and you say, Jesus, you put me over these children and I'm going to a place of prayer. So get behind me, Satan. This is not your home. And these are definitely not your children. Plead the blood over them. And I don't just mean you say, woe is me, I plead the blood of Jesus. But you just look over there and say, my God died on the cross. And there's nothing that can overcome him. So get out of here. I plead the blood of Jesus. Oh, go ahead and say it with excitement. Say it with authority. Say it with belief. Oh, I, I want somebody to say that right now. Can we take a moment and pray? Oh, I plead the blood of Jesus over my children. I plead over Liam and Finn and Avery and Emery and London. Oh, I plead the blood over my wife and over my household. In the name of Jesus, I plead it over myself. Oh, I'm going victorious in Jesus Christ. Oh, we're not a woe is me church that's hiding out. So I don't want you to be down and worried that Jesus would say, hey, they persecuted me. So they're going to persecute you also. Oh, but if we could be like those disciples in the book of Acts that said, Lord, I thank you that I was able to suffer shame for your name. You know what I pray? God, if I'm being attacked, let it be for you, not because I'm messing up and sinning. Lord, forgive me for my past. Don't let it come back. Put your hand over it. Oh, I like to say the left hand. His left hand's over my past because his right hand's over my future. But I like to just go ahead and pray that. And then I want God, if I'm going to go through something, if I'm going to suffer shame, I want it to be because I'm bringing you glory. I'm bringing you glory. And so he told him that. 
He said, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also, they will also persecute you. Ah, but he said, but if they have kept my sayings, they will keep yours also. Oh, church, you got to get an understanding. If somebody that you're connecting with and you're walking in the spirit of God and you're speaking the word of God into their life, they have kept, if they would have kept Jesus' sayings, they're going to keep yours also. Oh, hallelujah. Joseph, you testified last Sunday. Um, and you talked about being in Bible study here. And you heard the word that first Sunday here, here at this church. And Emily, I'm not leaving you out. I'm just picking on Joseph because his, his beginnings were right here. But you heard the words and you didn't say, God, only if you speak in a booming voice to me. You just said, I need something from you. And then when you heard Bishop get up behind this pulpit, and I believe I was first half that Sunday as well, when you heard words first half and second half, you, you said, hey, I got a word from God. I came looking from something. And I wasn't asking God to, to do a special visitation like he did to Paul, but I just needed a word. And God sent a man, and that's enough for me. Oh, church, you got to understand that every Bible study you teach, every neighbor that you speak to, if they're looking for help from God, your word is enough. Oh, you've got God's backing on this. Oh, hallelujah. If they're going to persecute you, well, they persecuted him. But if they're going to listen to you, it's because they would listen to him. And your words are powerful. So don't be afraid to speak the word. Oh, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. So Jesus is teaching them here, and, and Jesus is speaking into their lives. And as he goes on and, and he talks to them, John chapter 13, John chapter 13, verse 34, he says, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you have love one to another. You know, I've studied the book of John, I, I think, quite a bit. I, I like to sit down and I like to slow read. And, and I, I used to just read like any book really fast. And I find more and more that as I read the Bible, I'm slower and slower. And I'll be back over a verse and back over it again and again. I am amazed by how much God packed into that Last Supper. Those last words of Jesus, John thought it fitting that it, it needed to take up five chapters. And so all of this connects from the moment they broke bread to when he washed the feet to when Judas got up and left and Jesus kept teaching and he said, a new commandment I give you. I'm like, is, is that a new commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, mind, and strength, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But yet he's saying, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. 
By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. Not by your wealth. Not by your status. And it doesn't even say right here, by all the miracles that you performed. Not, not because you broke bread and fed 5,000. Not, not because that I, I had a, a, um, an ailment and you, you prayed for me and my sickness went away. But that you love. And not that you just love, but that you love one another. Oh, something sometimes seems to get into the church. And we show up to the church house, but we become maybe a little too much like family. And you're saying, well, wait, hold on a second, what does that mean? Well, have any of you ever had brother or sister or family where you got together for the family event, but you seem to be a little bit chippy all the time? Oh, they get on my, my nerve. And I Has anybody ever found yourself, or maybe not you, maybe you just witnessed it in someone else. Maybe you had the aunt or the, the, the brother or the sister. I've seen it. And before the other sibling shows up, you get the earful. They're such blah, 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 blah. And then they walk in. Oh, so good to see you. I love you. And boy, don't be together too many days because all of a sudden you see it. And they're going back and forth. Has anybody seen that? It just must be my family. You know, and... Now, I'm not speaking to my family over here, all right? I'm speaking to family I grew up with. And if they're listening on online, then it's not you, right? <laughs> no, I've witnessed it. And so when I say we become a little too much like family, I don't mean that we shouldn't be close. I mean that we need to remember, I love you. I care about you. And you matter. You're somebody special. Oh, that, that's what can happen between brothers and sisters. You know, I, I have children, five children, and they get to going at it. And somebody gets hurt, and they forget that they love each other. They forget that you matter. Instead, it's you took my toy, or you've had enough time with this, or, or why do you always get to be first? But then you send them through a little crisis, or you send someone in to attack the other kid. Man, they all buckle up. I like it when there's a little fight in the neighborhood. And the kids come storming in, and they're like, the neighbor said this to London. And so they all come hauling into the house. I like that. I like when they stand up for each other. I like when they say, you matter. Oh, somebody needs to look at their brother or sister that's struggling. And instead of saying, you know what, they're always messing up. You need to say, hold on, world, and hold on, devil. You can't have them. You've been picking on my brother. You've been picking on my sister. They've been saved by the blood of the Lamb. I'm not going to lose them. You need to go to battle for them. You need, when you see them slipping and sliding away, go to them and say, hey, what's going on? Is everything okay? Don't do this. Don't leave the church. And you, brother or sister, whether you're in this building or you're online, don't turn your sibling away. Oh, they may be a little direct with you. Why? They love you. They miss you. And they care about you. Oh, go ahead. When they call your phone, pick it up. Answer them. Give them a call back. Give them a chance. Because they've suffered. And they've struggled. And they've come from worldly backgrounds. And they know what it's like to not live for God. And then end up returning to the church. 
And what they're trying to do is save you and reach you. So hear your brother and sister. They only love you. They only love you. Love is so very important. When Jesus entered that week into, um, into Jerusalem, and He came in, and it was six days at the start of the week there when they were going to lay out the coats, and they said, Hosanna, Hosanna. After they had laid them out, and Jesus had ridden the donkey, and Jesus was speaking. And He's speaking... In John chapter 12 and verse 37, Jesus is talking here and people would want to see Jesus glorified and they wanted to meet Jesus and they wanted to know Him and, and Jesus was saying the hour now is and God speaks with a booming voice from heaven and this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased and great marvelous things are happening. But Jesus says, but though He had done so many miracles before them, Yet they believed not on Him. Yet they believed not on Him. And when I read through this passage, I then go on and I see, it says, verse 39, it says, Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, He hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart, that they should not see with their eyes, nor understand with their heart, and be converted, and I should heal them. These things said Isaiah, when he saw His glory and spake of Him. When Isaiah was, was in the temple and the coal touched his lips and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he had an understanding that if they could just see, if their eyes were not scabbed over, if their hearts were not hardened, oh, if they weren't blind and their ears stuffed, if, if they somehow just had a glimpse of the glory of God. But yet when Jesus walked in, walked in their midst and He came down and He healed them and He broke the bread and, and He raised the dead, yet their hearts were hardened. Yet they, they didn't believe on Him even when they saw the miraculous. That's why I said to you, you earlier, you know what? Your sign is that you love one another. Your sign is the love of God that you bring. Oh, because you can work the miraculous. But just like Jesus, when these sayings become too hard, they're going to say, hold on. I know what happened in my life, but I can't quite stomach what you're saying. I don't want to quite go there. I don't want to do that. Verse 42, it says, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also, many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. You think I'm a little crazy? How many people have you heard testimonies, maybe even from this pulpit, where they said, God delivered me from a gang. God delivered me from drugs. God put my marriage back together. God brought me out of a horrible dark place. But then someplace along the line, the prestige at work, what their friends in the world thought, the feel-good maybe of drugs or alcohol, the career motivation. Maybe it was a past addiction that they begin to toy around with again or an addiction they never quite let go of. And suddenly you begin to wonder, where are they? 
It's because something in their life began to be a greater pull. And of these chief rulers that believed Jesus, believed the word, God incarnate, they did not confess him lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Oh, church, where is your love placed at today? Where is your love at today? You need to get an utter fixation with Jesus. You know, if that happens in any other place, it gets a little creepy, all right? I mean, you got the celebrity that says, I have the stalker that's sending me notes in every event I show up at. This person's there. I had a cousin once, uh, stalking greeting cards in the store. Somebody was following her around. She's getting a little weirded out, and they're like, you just have great feet. And they kept following her around to stare at her feet. That's creepy. But you following Jesus is not a creepy thing. You saying, Jesus, I want whatever you have for me. Jesus, I need a little more time with you. You know what, God, I want to wake up this morning and I want to pray. Oh, in this world, yeah. You know what, we don't want to be weird. But God says, hey, I know you for who you are. And I know the number of hairs on your head. And I know what you had for breakfast. And I followed you every step of the way. And he's saying, hey, will you follow me? Oh, will you go wherever Jesus goes? Will you be like the disciples that said, hey, where do you lay your head? Where do you live at? Oh, will you be the ones that said, where else would we go? We're just going to follow you, master. We're going to go wherever you want. We're going to be like a puppy. We're going to be right behind you. You go up the stairs, I'm going up the stairs. You go downstairs, I'm going downstairs. Somebody needs to go ahead and trade your love for the world and your love for the approval of man for the love of God. Why? Because he first loved you. You did not call God, he called you. You did not choose God first. First, he chose you. Oh, you didn't get to this altar just because you wanted to be there. You got to this altar because the God of glory came over and said, I want you. Will you hear my voice? Will you come? Will you be my disciple? Will you come? Because he loved you. But we see, we see here right before Jesus entered the Passover that we have the religious leaders. The religious leaders. The ones who you would look to and you would say, hey, oh, this, this is the words of life and can they speak it to me? And they have to know what to do to be saved. Yet they didn't want to tra- trade their prestige the honor, and the glory. You know, religious leaders suffer with faith. They suffer with what others think of them. That's why you need to pray for your leadership. You need to pray for them. You need to pray for Bishop. Not because I know of some inner failing that Bishop has. No Bishop. I'm not saying something like that. But I'm saying he's a person who has humbled himself before God. And the devil would like nothing better than to take him down. Why? So he can get at all of you. He would like to take out your leadership. Why? 
So every one of you who have heard the word preached would maybe be put in doubt and would have to be at the very least hurt to the core. But recognize that men struggle. Women struggle. Women and men of God, they can be at the highest places and yet they're human too. And so pray for them. Pray for them. They also struggle with faith. Really? Yeah. That's why you saw the leader of the synagogue. He came to Jesus, and Jesus had to encourage him to go ahead and have faith and to believe that Jesus could work the miracle. They could work the miracle. I don't care where you're at in life. I don't care for how long you've lived for God. You need the strength and encouragement of Jesus Christ. And I want you to be not like the ones who, who came first to work the field. I want you to be the ones that stay clear to the end, whether you're first, middle, or last. Because you only get paid if you're working the field at the very end. Oh, church, don't walk out on God. Don't give up on this walk for God. Don't, don't toss it to the side. Get ready to circle back around to love here. But Jesus had talked about, neither is the servant greater than his Lord, and then he talked about how you'd be persecuted. There's something that has been bothering my mind and my heart, troubling me. It, as I drive up to my project sites, as I look across the city of Omaha, as I scan the news and I think about our world today, it may not be a persecution that you feel because somebody came directly to you and... and disliked you because you believed in God. But we have a world that is skyrocketing itself towards hell. It is embracing everything that is anti-God. You hear it from the halls of Congress. You see it on your newscasters. And you definitely see echoed out of Hollywood and in your sports figures. And frankly, every place you would turn in your stores, you see it from the push to say you can't have a boys and girls section. You see it when the um, congressman says there's no place for God in here when we make our decisions for bills. Oh, woe to that congressman that would discount God in the picture. Woe to that congressman. When you look at the marches and protests in this country there for a variety of reasons, and I'm, I'm not going there for all those different reasons. But when you see a people who have rejected God and, and don't embrace godly values, but are out there protesting and marching to push values that are against God, you've got to recognize our world is in trouble. And what has really bothered my heart is this begins to pile on you. Whether it be through the school system, the TV shows you watch, the beliefs that your neighbors hold. It's a belief system. It's the belief system of this world. And you begin to get dull in your senses. And there can be an easiness of beginning to question what you've been taught. Well, maybe, maybe homosexuality is okay. It is not okay. I dare not even say those words over this pulpit. Maybe, maybe 
living this lifestyle is acceptable. It seems okay. No, be holy, for I am holy. Maybe, maybe that thing I thought was an addiction, what's so wrong with that? God delivered you. You cleaned out your house. Don't invite another spirit back in. Oh, but when your world accepts it and you live in the middle of it, it's like a, an enemy that you're almost unaware of and it dulls the conscience and it begins to wear at you and to tear down at you. And you begin to lose your love. You begin to lose your love for one another. And you begin to lose your love for God. And so that's why in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, it says, but chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast, lost, hast left thy first love. I thought it interesting that the New Living Translation actually says, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at the first, or at first. Jesus said a new commandment I give you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Church, you cannot get to heaven unless you love God more than anything else. It is your love for Jesus that will take you to heaven. You can experience the miraculous. You can have all the faith in the world faith to move mountains but if you do not have a love for God you will not get to heaven you will not be saved unless you would get a little confused and you would think just because I say I love God that now I could get to heaven your love is shown by your obedience that's why at the first you were baptized in Jesus name that's why at the first you said God whatever you want me to do that's what I'm gonna do Oh, God, I, I repent of my sins, and, and I want to go wherever you want me to go. And, and that word repent really just means I'm going a different direction. It's real easy to understand that. It means that if I beat up on the kids, I can't beat up on the kids anymore. That's repenting. The kids don't want to just hear you say, man, I'm really sorry I was an abusive dad. No, they don't want to be hit anymore. You can tell your wife, I'm sorry I screamed all at you and said all sorts of mean words. You know what she really wants? No mean words. She wants you to love her and give her nice words and be kind. That's repenting. It means those drugs you came from, it's not a side thing you do on Thursday night. You've left that. You've gotten out of it. That language that you had, no more. I'm leaving it. But you can't do it on your own. Hear me. Maybe some things you can. But when you come to Jesus and you say, I repent. Oh, you lift your hand up to Him. He put it, His hand down and He grabbed a hold of it. And you begin to walk with Him. And He led you out of that mess. And He took you to that water. And you went down in Jesus' name. And that whole load of sin came off your back. When you went down the water. And if you have not gone through that. It's yours today. And if you're listening online, oh, call this church. You can come in any day of the week and we will baptize you in the name of Jesus. And then he begins to fill you with his spirit. Oh, it fills you up and it flows out. And you say, well, what does that mean? Oh, I can't explain it, but I can tell you I can feel it. 
oh, I can feel it. It begins to feel great inside. It's a feeling you never had before. And he fills you with his spirit. So church, with the last few minutes we have left, what I want to remind you is that when you were filled with his spirit, you came out of that water, you spoke in tongues, and you had such a love for God and a thankfulness. And I guarantee you when you walked out in this church, you came through that door or whatever door church you was in, you did not come through that door and say, man, this feels good. Oh, what are they doing over there? I remember, I, I don't like them. No, you came out and you had love. And you're like, and maybe you, you're not quite like me and you're not running over and, and you're not just hugging everybody and, and, and loving on them. Or maybe you were. Maybe you're like, where did this come from? But you had such a love in your heart. You didn't have time to look at anyone else. And you didn't have a place in there that said, wow, that feels great. God filled me with his spirit. Oh, I hate that person. No, you loved each other. You didn't think, well, they don't fit in my bucket here or my bucket there or, or, or put identities on them that aren't right. You loved them and you loved your family and you worried for your friends and you wanted them to have this experience too and you wanted everyone to have it because you understood you didn't deserve the saving power of Jesus Christ. But someplace along the line, you lost your love for God. Sometimes it weakens up on you and you get distracted and chaos comes in and it pounds on you and living life and paying bills and sickness. And now you begin to think, well, what has God done for me lately? Or you remember the hurts and the pains that a brother or sister bring. And you get a little more fixated on that. And your love takes a second seed. It's not your first love. So church, I have the title today, First Love. And that means two different things. One, you need to remember your first love for God. And you cannot truly say you love God unless you love your brother. Unless you love your sister. And that's why Jesus said a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. You have to get back your love for God and your love for this church, Amen. your love for one another. And then by extension, you need to love your neighbor as yourself and love people. And so that's why you got to get your first love. And if you're going to get to heaven, which you are, you got to first love. God may or may not take care of all your bills, but he is going to take care of you. God may or may not heal your body, but he's got your soul. This life is just temporary. So I think today we need to get back a hold of God and say, where's my values at? Is it in the loaves and fishes? Is it in the miraculous? Is it in the prestige I have at work or amongst the other leadership? Is it in what my spouse or my family's doing? Is it in how my children treat me? Or do I love God because I love God? And do I love my brothers and sisters because they're the body of Christ and Jesus saved them and he filled them with their spirit? Because I cannot look, I cannot look at my brother or my sister over here who Jesus is inside of and I'm looking through the veil of their flesh and Jesus lives in them and yet I'm hating on them. I cannot do that 
Because when I'm looking at them, they're filled with the Spirit of God, just as I am. Oh, can we go ahead and stand to our feet? I would like us just to take a moment and stretch our hands towards heaven and begin to first love God. Jesus, I love you today. Jesus, you're this my first love. Oh, I love you. That. Oh, God, because you and first loved me. I love you because you took my sins and you is. died on Calvary. We already know what the I love you, oh God, because is. you washed me and you gave me joy. Exactly and God, you've been expect. a personal inner but peace that I can't explain. To make this, that, for oh this. God, I love you. I know oh that God, you know I may not be is. the wealthiest person my in the world. Is, is this and I may go through struggles. And I may end up dealing with some health things. But God, I love you. And I know you hold everything. And I may not understand the wise, but I love you. Can you go ahead and just let him know that for another moment? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Go ahead, put those hands together. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Come back in here. Be ready at 1120. And love God and love your brother and your sister. God bless you.